hi, uh, it is Sibel Tombas. Uh, I am heading up 5G high band and active antenna systems uh, department in Exxon. You need to have a global language where every vendor can speak to every device. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting. So how do you think being a woman has influenced the way you approach your work? Uh, it is uh, it's very interesting. Uh, of course, I think first, first of all, um, I believe we women have um, um, a different empathy and uh, a different feeling for uh, being fair and uh, being unbiased. I think this is coming, of course, for all the struggles that, uh, that we see uh, around the world, uh, having a lot of women not access to education and, and, uh, uh, or food or, or clean water and being always suppressed. So I, I believe having this uh, allow us to be much more fair and, and trying to be a bit more um, kind of creating this environment where empowering women, encouraging them and, uh, and enabling them. So I think th- this comes as a, as a natural part of being fairness. I believe as a woman, it's, it become more, more um, uh, important for us, for me, than probably uh, from other other people and uh, from compared to men. What is an example of a time in which you feel that being a woman empowered you? I, th- I think it does it every day. Um, I think if you just, as I said, for all the things that I just mentioned, it, it kind of drives you. Uh, it, 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 it wants you to be succeed. It wants you to kind of be an example to others. Uh, it wants you to um, kind of, being the face of and achieving something in an area where we mostly see, see males. I think in my mind, I wake up every day and this, this comes with it as an as a empowerment to me. I can, I can do this. This is an area, it's new, it's challenging, but I can achieve this. But I can, if I just go back, um, not only about my day-to-day work, but I was in, I was in the university and I have studied engineering. Um, and in my time in university, it was a class of 100 uh, people in total. And we were only six women um, in total, and uh, it was it was interesting because we we have been we have been definitely working much harder because again we feel like we need to prove something because I studied electrical engineering, a major that is believed to be for men. Uh, this is not a female or woman uh, major, and I think this made all the six women are ex- more ambitious to prove ourselves compared to others, and. And as a result of four years, the top three in our class were all women. And I still remember like being in the stage, the number one, number two, number three announced. Um, and I was one of them. And, and we go and we get this award in front of all the classroom, being only 6% of the population, but getting the 100% of the uh, top three position. I mean, that, that's, I think, it's, it was extremely um, important point in my life. Yeah, I love that. I've always felt that if you have a man and a woman in the same professional situation, you can almost guarantee that the woman is more qualified than the man because she would have to be to be there. Exactly. Now we're going to move more into the actual tech bit of all of this. I wanted to talk about dynamic spectrum sharing. So first, 
Dynamic spectrum sharing is the ability for operators to combine their 4G and 5G spectrum and then use that combined capacity to cover their customers. Is that correct? Correct. With that in mind, what is Ericsson spectrum sharing? Is it as simple as saying it's just Ericsson's specific dynamic spectrum sharing technology or how do those two relate? Yes. So this is definitely one of the most asked questions. Um, I mean, if you starting from dynamic spectrum sharing, this is a technology, as you described, that that has the first time in the history of wireless communication is the first time we have achieved to to share the spectrum uh, as efficient as it possibly can be, and and this is the biggest cost problem for customers, and and uh, and this was really a major problem uh, for for migrating the new technology. So the technology itself is invented by by Ericsson, so three years ago when we realize the similarities between 4G and 5G in the, in, the, in the basis, and knowing that these lower bands will be extremely important for coverage, and we knew that it will not be possible to switch the old technology when billions of people are connected to that every single day. And this has been the foundation of the innovation that is started in Ericsson. So, but then what we have done is that we, to be able to make it work, we wanted to make it a global product where every customer can use. And to be able to achieve that, you need to make it standardized. So you need to have a global language where every vendor can speak to every device. It doesn't matter if you are in the US or if you're in China if, or in Korea, your network should be able to talk to every single device. And that is today achieved by 3GBP, a standardization body, uh, where this idea then be brought up to the GBP. And that's, in that frame, it's called dynamic spectrum sharing. But what is different is that in, in the standard, it just tells you how the network and device should just listen to each other and they can communicate with each other. And, and device says, I'm, I can do spectrum sharing and network says, fine, now I will dynamically share the spectrum, don't worry. This is what is in the standard. But what Ericsson does on top of it, it basically put the brain in our network to be able to do the spectrum sharing in the most efficient way. And that is not in the standard, it is vendor specific because the language to, to do UE is the standard, but this actual solution is what makes Exxon spectrum sharing a unique solution because we can do this sharing as much efficient as possible and we can do the sharing every millisecond. You mentioned that Ericsson, when they became aware of the similarities between 4G and 5G. That was kind of the ignition of this idea. So does this mean that, that this technology wouldn't have been possible between 3G and 4G? Not in the same level. So we actually have spectrum sharing solutions before 5G. We were sharing the spectrum between 2G, 3G, and 4G. But since they were fundamentally very different, the level of spectrum sharing you can do, how fast you can change in time, and how granular you can be in frequency and how much you can share the power, that is very, very different. They have too much more limitation. And with that limitation in mind, that is what we achieve already in 2G, 3G, 4G. But what is unique in 4G and 5G, because the frame structure is almost identical in these low bands. In, in that case, I can almost work like the puzzles in every single bit in a small millisecond in the time domain and extremely small PRB in the frequency domain. And that is unique to 4G and 5G. So because of these similarities uh, between 4G and 5G, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, continued coexistence between, between these two Gs and operators are, are busy advancing their LTE networks as well as building out 5G. 
how long do you see these two cellular, you know, the new G's coexisting? I mean, I will see it always uh, because I, I feel it's almost like a pooling uh, theory. So if you can in any, uh, it's not only spectrum, any resources that we have is much more efficient if you can access and making the dynamically and adapt to every single change instead of just making a static division and you can never adapt. And in wireless communication, what is unique is that, first of all, number of subscribers change very fast. Amount of 4G-capable devices and 5G will be changing every single day. And operator doesn't need to worry about it because network will adjust the, the spectrum allocation in millisecond level. And also, um, the traffic levels, like at nighttime or a busy hour in Manhattan, will be much very different than at 2 a.m. in the same cell. And that operators today cannot adjust because it's too short time for them to be able to make any change in their network. And they don't need to worry about it because then again, that, that allocation can be done dynamically by the network. So in my mind, I don't see this technology as a short term. For me, it's actually the foundation of how we are going to build 6G. So when you find a solution that can share the most expensive and the scarce resources of wireless communication, which is key for connectivity, I don't think there is no way back from using this in the, and it, I think it will only evolve and just get better. How many operators are using Ericsson spectrum sharing at the moment? Ah, there are quite many. Um, so we commercially um, make the available solution in February. So what it commercially available means, even though we have been testing and making a lot of trials with a lot of customers since last year, uh, and many customers actually were deployed in 2019, but then we make the software available to all our customers. Anyone can download it and they can launch it. It was February. And as of today, we have seven commercial networks with thousands of sites live today. But when we look at how many customers are actually today uh, get the software and doing some testing and large-scale deployments, is more than 70. And we, when we talk to all, all our customers daily, and we see that in the next 12 months, majority of our customers will be using Exxon uh, Spectrum sharing in their networks. I wanted to talk a little bit about Ericsson Spectrum sharing and network densification. Will that technology make it possible for operators to build fewer cell sites or how does it impact the volume and scale of infrastructure build out? No, it's definitely a very big impact. And as, as you said, besides the fact that it reduces the, uh, the kind of spending of the spectrum, which is extremely high cost, and that makes efficient use. But most importantly, it reduces the capex, which is the capital expenditure that is needed to deploy the network. And they have actually two advantages. First of all, when we deploy 5G, the customers of operators, of course, wants to have a nationwide deployment. And because they want to scale up the new technology as much as possible, that drives innovation, that drives new, new solutions. But they always have issues with, of course, the money to be able to really make that fast transitions in their network to be able to have 100% population coverage. But with spectrum sharing, it will be super easy because they can reuse. So they don't need to go to every single site and change the hardware, change the radio and the baseband. They can do it completely with a software upgrade. With that, it means that we actually take out all the investment needed to upgrade their network. And then they can just download the software and then use the same spectrum and some hardware and achieve the uh, coverage. But there is secondary benefit because we believe the low band is not, it, it's, it's one of the layers. There are multiple layers. You need to not only have low band, but you should have your mid band, you should have your millimeter wave, 
And that is what we call a complete 5G network that is ready for multiple use cases. But then this new spectrum comes with cost because you need to buy the spectrum and then you need to buy a new hardware and you need to go again to this deployment. And what is very um, challenging in this new spectrum is that they are very coverage limited. But with the use of Exxon Spectrum sharing in FDD, it allows them to extend the coverage. So actually it's a secondary impact. They will need much less number of sites for the new spectrum compared to if they were alone. So it basically double impacts on reducing the, the cost and scaling the deployment for a complete 5G network. Right. Okay, so my next question, will dynamic spectrum sharing make new use cases possible that wouldn't otherwise be as feasible? It definitely enables, enables it. Uh, and as I said, it is multiple perspectives. So from 5G, one key advantage of 5G with standalone architecture, you have much higher capability for different technologies that enables different um, use cases. And one key is having the 5G core, having slicing capability, where you can actually distinguish them and, and satisfy their quota of service requirement. So for such architecture, uh, having a low band and ESS, and will always ensure that your 5G-capable device that really requires different, it can be a, a device in the factory, or it can be a smartphone user, or it can be a new device that requires low latency, and but they need to connect to 5G to be able to enable that and they need to connect to 5G core, and they will drive and have mobility. So in order for these devices to keep them under 5G, you need to have a coverage layer, layer and that's enabled by Ericsson Spectrum Sharing. Otherwise, a device will go to a small coverage layer, it will connect to these nice use cases, but then drive the car, and a few kilometers later, you fall back to the old technology. Then you cannot guarantee the call of service anymore. So in that case, it's definitely an important building block for us to go to a next step for different use cases. It's an extremely important enabler. And how will spectrum sharing and carrier aggregation work together to improve future networks? Uh, and that is exactly for the coverage extension. So what has happened is you, you have the low band and you have Ericsson spectrum sharing for the nationwide coverage. Then you you build a new spectrum that is large amount of bandwidth, super good latency, very high peak rates. But if they make them work together, one plus one becomes more than two. It becomes much more efficient together and much more high performing together. And that link is, is done by carrigation. So I can run Exxon Spectrum sharing within a single frequency and do this extremely dynamic millisecond level sharing for 4G and 5G. But then when the 5G user comes, I also make them move between low band and mid band using carrigation link. And that's also millisecond level. Well, Sybil, thank you so much for walking me through Ericsson Spectrum sharing and how it can help improve coverage and quality of our networks. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was great to talk to you. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Speglia. <laughs>